We will probably see Joe Girard back in the Dome next season, but it's going to be in a different shade of orange. We have a new destination for former Syracuse guard Joe Girard. He lands with the Clemson Tigers, stays in the ACC, meaning Syracuse will most likely face him two times next season. We break it all down. Plus, Donnie Freeman, a sought-after four-star recruit, makes his announcement on Thursday. Syracuse in that top five. Everything that you need to know about both of those coming up on your Locked On Syracuse Monday. Let's get right to it. Our Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up? What's happening? Welcome into your Monday episode of Lockdown Syracuse. I'm Owen Valentine saying thank you so much for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen today and every day. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get started. We had a big weekend of news for Syracuse basketball. Joe Girard finds a new home. We knew he was going to play with the Tiger next season. We just weren't sure if that was going to be yellow in LSU or orange in Clemson. And we got that decision uh, on Sunday as I am recording this Sunday evening. Joe Girard staying in the ACC transfers to the Clemson Tigers, a team that, as Mike Waters is theorized and breaks down based on the schedule, and a few other local reporters have as well, a team that Syracuse is supposed to square up with two times next season, meaning that Syracuse will have a few more run-ins with Joe Girard guaranteed and a possible additional one, maybe come ACC tournament time. This is not the last that we see of Joe Girard in terms of playing with or against Syracuse and even in terms of playing in the Dome. Joe Girard lands in Clemson, stays in the ACC, believe it or not, a Power 5 Division I program. Yes, other schools see him as that caliber player as well. And it means Joe Girard's career at Syracuse wraps itself up officially. We knew this was going to happen. This was not something where he was in talks of maybe I'll come back. He was gone. We knew in one way or another, he was leaving Syracuse. And he departs Syracuse, as many people like to forget in their undivided hatred to Joe Girard. He departs Syracuse as a top 20 scorer of all time in program history. He departs Syracuse as the third all-time leader in three-pointers made in all time at Syracuse. This is a guy that I've said time and time again, and our everydayers know this and might even shake their head that I'm going to make this point again. This is a guy that came to Syracuse outside the top 200 in terms of recruiting rankings, a guy that was supposed to be maybe a later-on contributor in his collegiate basketball career, where he could come in off the bench and be a spot-up shooter and turned into a four-year starter. 
Were there frustrations along the way? Yeah. Did you shake your head at some of the shots that he chose? Yeah. At six foot one, 190 pounds, was he the best defender we've ever seen at the top of that 2-3 zone? No, he was not. But did Joe Girard endure four years of unwarranted hatred from a large cohort of Syracuse basketball fans? Yes, he did. And I have a bad feeling that in two, possibly three games against Syracuse next season, we might feel the wrath of Joe Girard. And I'll tell you what, rooting for the kid. I'm excited to see what he does at a new spot. I'm excited to see what happens when he plays Syracuse a few times next season. And maybe I'm wrong for it, but I think I'd love to see him have one of those crazy nights that we've seen him have many times. He averaged 16 plus points in the ACC last season. Top 10 in the ACC in scoring last season. Shot 38% from three last year. Was the large reason behind Syracuse winning a number of games throughout last season. Also had off days, not here to say he didn't. But also was sort of the scapegoat. The I'm angry, who should I be angry at? It's got to be Joe Girard. I'm frustrated with things. It's got to be Joe Girard's fault. I'm angry that Joe Girard is playing. Who should he have played or who should have played over him? Right? These were the recurring questions that I've asked throughout this podcast in my you know six-ish months hosting this show, maybe even more at this point. Those were the questions. Is who should be playing over him at this point in time? All right, Kadari Richmond, you lose. He has an okay career afterwards. Joe Girard was the best option. And as I've said time and time again, your frustrations with Joe should not necessarily be directed at Joe. It's not Joe's fault he's playing over other people. Your frustrations could be with Jim Beheim, could have been with the Syracuse coaching staff, could have been with Syracuse's recruiting efforts, that there weren't other options, that there weren't guys that could be a better option than Joe Girard. So as pointed out by many people today, Joe spent a large portion of his career playing out of position. He's not a point guard. He's a shooting guard. And you got to see him as a shooting guard this final season where he shot 38% from three. And he scored 16.4 points per game and was one of the highest scorers in the ACC this season. And I'll tell you what, I'm looking at the Clemson roster right now. I'm looking at the Clemson situation at the guards. And you're going to see Joe Girard playing a lot next year. A lot. He's not going to go transfer and be a bench warmer or be a fringe minutes guy. He's going to be a guy that is playing a ton of basketball for the Clemson Tigers. We'll take a quick break. We'll break that down even further on the other side of this break. I have a feeling I might have people frustrated with me because I have been a little bit more pro Joe Girard than most people have uh, in terms of his career in Syracuse. Because when all is said and done, 
This is a man that outperformed everybody's expectations of him in terms of a collegiate basketball player. And he did it for four years. Average 9.8 points per game, his worst season at Syracuse, and double figures the other three. Average 13-plus points per game over a four-year career. Third all-time in made threes, I mentioned. More threes per game than every single multi-year player in Syracuse basketball history, except for Jerry McNamara, Buddy Beheim, and Elijah Hughes. Higher three-point percentages than Jerry McNamara, Trevor Cooney, Demetrius Nichols, Lawrence Moten, Tyus Battle, and many, many, many other players. Right? You want to talk about how Joe is only top you know, five in three-point shooting because he shot the ball so much. Joe Girard, including one-and-done grad year players like Andrew White, who shot 40% from three. Joe Girard is 22nd all-time in three-point shooting percentage in Syracuse basketball history. Did he shoot the ball a good amount? Yeah, he did. Did he make it at an equal or better clip than all but 21 players in Syracuse basketball history? Yeah. I'm not here today to argue that Joe Girard is a top 20 player in Syracuse basketball history. I'm not here to say he's top 40, top 50, but I am here to say that in all of the frustrations that we have had, and some people are more vocal than others, and some people on the fringe of genuine hatred to Joe Girard, and when I talked about today him transferring, people saying, good, I hate him, let's take a step back and reflect on the numbers and the outkicking of coverage that Joe Girard did in four years for Syracuse. We'll take that quick break. Let's talk a little bit about our friends over at FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Uh, The NBA playoffs, they've been a lot of fun. You can do a little same-game parlay, bring everything together. You could do some money line action, some point spreads. I bet the other day, uh, I, I bet on the Warriors. They lost by 30, so I'm not giving you any betting advice today uh, outside of use FanDuel because there's no better place to bet all of the playoff action than America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Owen Valentine here on your Locked On Syracuse Monday episode, breaking down Joe Girard transferring to Clemson, a team that, in theory, Syracuse will play two, if not three times next season in terms of the regular season, where they're expected to play a home-and-home against Clemson in a possible ACC tournament matchup. That could always happen uh, down the stretch. Joe Girard, despite many people's beliefs, is going to play a lot of basketball in Clemson, another Power 5 Division One school. Joe Girard, most likely, based on what I'm seeing per the roster and per what Clemson has right now in terms of guards, Joe Girard will be the starting shooting guard for the Clemson Tigers next season. When we look at Clemson's guards from last year, they had Chase Hunter at the point guard. He's a junior, going to be his senior year. 
I don't think anyone expects Joe Girard to be a starting point guard over a guy like Chase Hunter. At played 30 plus minutes a game last year, 14 points per game, three rebounds, four and a half assists a game. He's exactly what you want in a point guard. And we remember Joe Girard isn't a point guard. He's a shooting guard where he can excel in a spot up game. Can he play the point if he needs to? Yeah. Will he play the point a little bit for Clemson? I'm sure. But he's going to play more of his minutes at the two because the starting shooting guard last season for the Tigers was Brevin Galloway, who is gone. Gone. And that's where Clemson set off in terms of replacing for the guard situation. The backup guards, Dylan Hunter uh, and Josh Beadle, uh, both freshmen last season, played about 12 minutes per game each. Neither of them averaged over two and a half points per game. Neither of them really averaging much over one rebound or assist per game. There's a lot of you know, room to be desired between those two players. Neither of them strike me, and I will hand up say I didn't watch every Clemson basketball game last season by any means. Neither of them strike me as a, a logical replacement for Brevin Galloway, who was absolutely outstanding last season for Clemson. Uh, and a guy who, by the way, I just sort of scouted his Twitter, guy made over six figures in NIL deals. That man has a knack for NIL and betting on himself and finding ways to make NIL money. He had like 20 plus companies he's working with uh, and racked up over a hundred grand in terms of NIL deals. Maybe as the starting shooting guard for Clemson, he could have been involved in maybe some of these conversations talking about the opportunities that you could see down in Clemson, South Carolina. Clemson's been active in the transfer portal. Yeah, this is their fourth edition in the portal at this point in time. Uh, they bring in Jack Clark, who was a, a reserve guard over at NC State within the ACC. Uh, he battled injury a little bit last year. He's the guy that I think if Joe Girard loses out the shooting guard position, it would be to Jack Clark. Uh, I think Joe Girard has the edge in that regard, though. Jack Clark and Joe Girard are very, very different guards. And Jack Clark, honestly, let me double check before I even continue talking about him as a guard, could very much be considered a forward at 6'8". Uh, he's a rebounding guard. He's a guard that can get to the rim. He is a guard that's going to excel in that capacity. Scored nine points per game, seven rebounds a game last season. Two steals, two assists. He's a guy that's going to get his minutes for Clemson. But I think those minutes could see a little bit more at maybe the three spot as he only shoots about 28% from three. Uh, and Chase Hunter shoots about 35-ish percent from three. Uh, so they're looking, when you look at what Clemson loses in two players, Hunter Tyson and Brevin Galloway, those two players combined for 47% of Clemson's threes last season. Clemson brings in two guys in the portal and Jack Clark and Bass Leet amongst another who is uh, having a back surgery. So won't really play next season. I forget the name off the top of my head. Jack Clark shot 28% from three last year and Bass Leet uh, from UNC Greensboro shot 12% from three last year. They need Joe Girard because they have lost almost all of that three-point production. Hunter can shoot the three if he needs to. There are some guys that can shoot the three if need be. But almost 50% of their made threes are gone. And Joe Girard is the replacement for that. 
And Joe Girard, as a result, if I am to make my prediction, going to be the starting shooting guard for the Clemson Tigers next season because of that. Take that for what it's worth. If you disagree, let me know. If I'm too kind to Joe Girard, as I'm sure many of you think I am, let me know. But I will wrap up with this in terms of my Joe Girard talk. Were there frustrating moments in Joe Girard's four years at Syracuse? Yes. But did Joe Girard outperform expectations? Yes. Did Joe Girard win Syracuse basketball a number of games that they would not have been a part of barring his over-the-top performances? Yes. And that is why I think you can say he will be missed, even if you didn't realize it when you heard he hit the portal. Even if there were frustrating times, I think Joe Girard's three-point shooting will be missed next season. And this is not a knock on Judah Mintz. This is not a knock on J.J. Starling. This is not a knock on Chance Westry. But none of those three players shoot the three. Judah shoots maybe 30%. Starling shoots maybe 30%. Chance Westry, albeit a very small sample size, was 0 for, I believe, 12 from three last season. Syracuse has gone out and got players that can replace Joe, that can replace Judah if he departs. Quidier Copeland can be in this mix as well. None of those names shoot the three-pointer. And I think that could leave a question mark in Syracuse basketball. Some more news this past weekend. Actually, Sunday was a busy news day as we get some info from priority target Donnie Freeman in the class of 2024. Four-star guy, a guy we've talked about many, many times on this show, especially in the previous few weeks, announced the top five in Cuse, Bama, Iowa, Texas, and Georgia Tech. All five, or all four of those five, uh, he visited. Everybody except for Georgia Tech, Donnie Freeman had visited. He's announcing on Thursday at 3.30 Eastern time. So our Friday episode for our everydayers, if we're going to take a look ahead, our Friday episode is going to be talking about Donnie Freeman. Whether or not that is him being a part of Syracuse basketball, we're not set in stone yet. But that will be a Donnie Freeman episode on Friday. Predictions say he's coming to Syracuse when you take a look at things like that. When you look at some crystal ball predictions of the last few weeks. When you look at what he can do. When you look at, I believe, what rivals had two, if not three player analysts predict Donnie Freeman to Syracuse. 24-7 has a crystal ball to Syracuse. I forget the name of the writer, but that writer, 98% accuracy all time on crystal balls. It's a really good number. It's a really good sign for Syracuse. And Syracuse has pushed really effectively to get him involved and to get him uh, into that conversation because this is not a guy that they were really always in the conversation for. 
um, you've got that uh, continuity, or not the continuity, you've got that connection in the team takeover aspect of things. You've got uh, his most recent visit was to Syracuse, which I think goes a decent way in terms of recency bias, in terms of knowing what you know, in terms of what Adrian Autry has done with the help of, you know, assistant coaches in, in Alan Griffin, in Jerry McNamara, uh, in Brendan Strong, is they have been there so much in terms of being a presence for Donnie Freeman consistently at games, consistently at tournaments, consistently in his ear. And I'm not saying other schools haven't been, right? Because Bama, Iowa, Texas, having similar conversations and similar capacities leading up to that decision day on Thursday. But what Adrian Autry did was take a guy that Syracuse really wasn't involved with all too much and in an incredibly late push, put themselves in pole position. And that's where we leave things, right? This is four days from now. I'm recording this Sunday. So three days from now, uh, when this episode comes out, this is what you're going to see. Donnie Freeman could give Syracuse basketball their best recruiting class, arguably in a decade. I'm going to say in close to a decade at this point in time. Maybe 2016 was the next or the the one that you could compete with. This is a really, really good recruiting class. If he pairs up with Elijah Moore in terms of potential, in terms of what this would mean in Adrian Autry's first true recruiting class, as Elijah Moore stays true to Coach Autry in coming to Syracuse because of what Autry sold him on, in Donnie Freeman, if this happens, coming to Syracuse, the importance of that in year one of your recruiting class for Adrian Autry, I'd say Syracuse is back after that or is ready to be back after that. And I honestly, I don't even think that's necessarily a hot take. You put that together. You put those two players together in that 2024 class, which right now I believe, barring some change, uh, I believe Syracuse per 24-7 has the number 19 class in the country at this point in time. And it is still early. There's a lot of undecided players, as we know. Syracuse could be top 15, borderline top 10 class in the country next year in that 2024 class. Maybe I'm overreacting in top 10, but I'm trying to stress the significance of this in terms of how long has it been since Syracuse has had a top 20 recruiting class. I mean, this year you were solid because of numbers. You were a 22 because of volume. Um, but it really has been a long time. 2016, they were 19th in the country in recruiting class. That's sort of the threshold you're looking to get back into. Top 20 recruiting classes lead to ranked basketball teams. They do. Consistent top 20 recruiting classes lead you to success, to elite eights, to final fours, to things of that nature. There's no metric for 2015, but Syracuse had an outstanding class in 2015. Uh, same with 2014. Uh, let's check 2015 again. There's a composite. 
Let's see how that ranks. Yeah, I'm, I'm not rolling with that. I don't like those numbers. Uh, they don't feel correct based on the stars I'm seeing. Um, but either way, this can bring Syracuse back in terms of recruiting relevance, in terms of success moving forward, uh, and in terms of a really, really bright horizon starting to peak uh, in the distance. That's where I'll leave you on our Monday episode tomorrow. Today, I'm real excited. Uh, positive in terms of, you know, I'm positive Joe Girard guy, sorry. Uh, positive because this is big news with our Syracuse and Donnie Freeman. Tomorrow, you get the old Owen back. You get angry Owen uh, because, well, basketball seemed pretty good this weekend. Uh, football's got me fired up and angry and disappointed. And tomorrow, I might just strap in and rant. Barring something drastic happening. That's what you're going to see tomorrow. Until then, I'm Owen Valentine. Thank you for making Locked On Syracuse your first listen today and every day. As I say, free and available wherever you get your podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Speaking of the podcast network, uh, you might hear me on the Locked On Falcons podcast this week. Doing a little talk about our boy Matthew Bergeron, number 38th pick in the NFL draft about a week ago. Uh, breaking that down a little bit. So stay tuned for that. Um, but until then, have a great Monday. Be kind. Make somebody smile. And I will catch you tomorrow. Peace.